whole project. And um, you definitely want to be involved in that at some point or going over and check that out. Because one of the most exciting things when something like that is happening is to see where it is now and then to be able to see it when it's finished. It's just, it's so exciting. Okay, so this morning we are kicking off a new series called The Big Ten. Why? Because we know Ohio State will crush Alabama tomorrow night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're going to roll over the tide. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get it. No. Uh, the Big Ten, we're going to be spending the next, boy, at least, you know, 10 weeks, if you will, um, diving deeper into the Ten Commandments, and I'm really excited. As believers, we want to fully experience God's love and God's purpose for our lives, but that's never going to happen unless we put first things first. So I have a story I want to tell you. There was a, there was a woman, and she, uh, she was in, the, in her house by herself. She lived alone. She really didn't have anyone to talk to, so she thought to herself, I'm going to I'm going to go and buy a parrot, okay, a parrot. And a parrot will talk back to me. Dogs are nice, but, you know, I don't understand what they're saying. So I'm going to buy a parrot, and the parrot will talk to me. She goes to the pet store. The manager comes out. How can I help you? I'd like to have a parrot. He sells her this really beautiful parrot. She takes it home. And the next day she comes back and says, this parrot doesn't talk. I bought something that would talk to me. And he said, well, did you, did you do you have a mirror in there? Well, no, I, didn't, I don't know anything about a, a mirror. No, you got to put a mirror in there, and the parrot looks at himself in the mirror, sees how pretty he is, gets all excited. He'll start talking. Just put it. Here's a mirror, buys the mirror, goes home, puts it in there, comes back the next day, says to the manager, listen, I bought the mirror, and the parrot still doesn't talk. I'm alone. I want someone to talk to. And he says, well, do you have a ladder in the cage with the parrot? A ladder? Oh, yeah, you got to have a ladder. He likes to climb up and down the ladder. And, and so if you buy the ladder, the parrot will, you know, he'll be exercising and he'll be really excited. He'll want to talk. So here's the ladder. She buys the ladder. She brings it home, puts it in the cage. The parrot goes up and down. The ladder doesn't say a word. She comes back the next day. She's not very happy. And she says, listen, I bought the mirror. I have the ladder. And this parrot that you sold me, he's, I like him, but he's, he's not talking. Well, he said, well, did, do you have a swing in the cage with him? And she, he's like, she's like, swing? You didn't say anything about swing. No, you get a sw if you have a swing, then he swings back and forth. He's really happy. Parrots love to swing. In the natural environment, they swing on vines. And so you put the swing in there, he'll be really happy. He'll start talking up a storm. And she, so she reluctantly buys the swing, puts it in there, Comes back the next day, and she wasn't really angry. She was just carrying like a shoebox. She walked in and she said, my parrot's dead. Oh, the manager's like, I'm really, really sorry. You know, he said, you know, just tell me one thing. It, before the parrot died, did he, did, he, did he say anything to you? And she said, yes, in a, in a weak voice, a very weak voice, he said, don't they sell food at that pet store? So... <laughs> Some of you are like, oh my gosh, I waited all the time for that, right? The point is, you got to put first things first. It's first things first. I remember it, that what someone once told me, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. 
The most important thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. When I was at Nyack, my professor used to tell us, you know, you have to major on the majors. Don't major on the minors. Put first things first. Keep the major things in the forefront of your mind. The Ten Commandments are at the heart of God's desire for every single one of us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And isn't that our responsibility? Isn't that our goal? Isn't that our desire to ultimately be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? And God says this should be at the top of the list. You cannot live a dynamic, consistent Christian life if you're not following God's commands. I mean, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, God tells us to memorize, to remember His commands. He tells us to, to invest in your children so your children know them. So before we move on any further, I think it's important that we, kinda, we, we talk about that a little bit. And I, I ask the question, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone, and you shouldn't feel terrible about yourself if you, know, you can't just rattle them off. But we've got to ask the question, do you know the Ten Commandments? Right? Don't answer out loud. Do you know the Ten Commandments? And do your children, okay, if you have kids, grandkids, or whatever else, do your, do your kids know the Ten Commandments? When, when uh, Kim and Jen were younger, especially Kim and Jen, um, we did it with Josh as well, but with Kim and Jen, Deb came up with this like catechism. She borrowed from other things and she put it together. And we had these questions, this little book that they would go through. We'd ask these questions. They were simple, but they were very, very important questions. And so is Jen here? All right. You want to stand or you want to sit? See if you can still do it. Oh, there. She's standing right up there. Jen, who made you? What else did God make? Why did God make all things? Very good, Jen. Very good. Now, that, now, you're still cute. Don't get me wrong. But it was much cuter when she was younger. Jennifer, who made you? What else did God make? Why did God make all things? That's a good girl. That's right. See, it was cuter when they did it back then. They'd rattle through all. They knew the Ten Commandments too, which is pretty good. Um, we need to know and we need to follow God's law. The Ten Commandments are basically the foundation for any, think about it, they're the foundation for any effective legal system known to mankind in the world. The Ten Commandments lay the foundation. If you think about this, God made the universe and he made the universe with, with laws, okay? With scientific laws, if you were, or just laws. And one of those laws is the law of gravity. God made the universe with laws. You have to follow the laws that God has put into place or it's not going to work out too well for you. If you defy the law of gravity, you will pay a price. If we do not follow the laws of God, we will pay a price. If you don't follow the law of gravity and you jump off something very high, you will hurt yourself. If you don't follow God's law, the Ten Commandments, you will end up hurting yourself. Years ago, the Gallup poll people did a, a poll and they, they found that only half of the people, adults in America, knew more than five of the Ten Commandments. What was funny is that more people claimed to be living by the Ten Commandments than actually knew the Ten Commandments. 
So, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to take a step back and we need to know, we got to ask ourselves before we kind of get into this whole thing and this whole series, do we know the Ten Commandments? So let's just take a moment and stop and I'll read through Deuteronomy chapter 20, okay? I'll read through some of the Ten Commandments. So I condense them down a little bit and don't go into all the detail that it had. So we'll start number one. You shall have no gods before me. You shall have no gods. That's number one. Number two, you shall not make yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven or uh, on, on earth, beneath the earth, or under the waters below. You shall bow down. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Number three, it says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Four, honor your father and your mother. I find it fascinating that five is do not murder, and that comes after honor your father and your mother. Number six, it says you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not give false testimony, okay, lie. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And number 10 is do not covet. And it goes into all the, lays it all out. So those are the 10 commandments. So what you can do, honestly, maybe uh, photocopy or whatever, put them on your mirror, have them with you in your pocket, and go over them as we're going through the series. Let's kind of go through and make sure. And if you don't get them in order all the time, but just make sure you know all the 10 commandments. God gives us 10 commandments. And he gave them at three different times. We'll lay a little foundation here this morning. He gave them at three different times in the Bible. The first time he actually spoke them to the entire nation of Israel. So they're there, they're at the bottom of the mountain, and God, there's the billow of smoke, and, they're the, and God starts to speak from the mountain, and the mountain begins to shake, so there's an earthquake, and there's basically a sound and a light show, thunder and lightning and smoke, and all these things are happening. And as he's giving, as he's speaking them, the people are absolutely terrified. It's just, it's overwhelming. The second time, God wrote the Ten Commandments. Moses went up, because what happened was, the people, God spoke them, and the people said, hey Moses, we have a great idea. You go, you go up and speak to God alone. Okay, you go up there. Moses goes up, God then wrote the Ten Commandments, gives them to Moses, Moses goes up there alone. Then days, days later, Moses went down the mountain with the two tablets of the, the covenant of the law in his hands. The law, the Ten Commandments are written on the front and the back of those tablets. They're inscribed. The tablets were the work of God, and the tablets are written, okay? The, the writing is the writing of God. So while Moses is up this mountain, um, Basically what the Bible says, and I always find this totally fascinating, but you just, I just told you what happened when God spoke it. And this, we're talking days, we're not talking years. So Moses comes down, he gets the tablets, he comes down, and the people are thinking to themselves, man, Moses has been up there way too long. Let's see, what, what should we do while Moses is gone? I know, let's make ourselves some idols, okay, and have a big old party. And so Moses comes down, and then when he comes down, he sees the people throwing a big party, and they're dancing, and they're working all around, and they're worshiping. They basically were breaking the first two commandments as he comes down with the Ten Commandments. So Moses, Moses was a kind of passionate guy, 
You know that by, you know, he killed that Egyptian, and he gets excited sometimes, hits things with rocks, with sticks, and, you know. So he gets himself in a little bit of trouble. But this time, he got upset, and he took the Ten Commandments, and he threw them on the ground and busted them. Goes back up the mountain a third time. This time, God says to him, it's a little nuances you miss sometimes, you just read it too quickly, but God says to him, I want you now to chisel the, the stone and bring it to me. So he chisels a stone, the two tablets, chisels the chisels tablets out, then God rewrites them on the tablets a third time. So we have those, and basically what happens then, the tablets are placed in the Ark of the Covenant, and they remain in the Ark of the Covenant for hundreds of years. I always think to myself, wouldn't it be amazing if they actually found, they went and found those? There, I've, I've watched shows where they think they're an African, a tribe of, of African Jews that were, said it, and they have it there. You know, it's all speculation, but wouldn't it be cool if they found it? But it was in the Ark of the Covenant, remained there for hundreds of years. The Ten Commandments, they're short, they're pretty much, they're short and they're simple. And God gave these Ten Commandments as the foundation for the, the legal system, if you will, the laws, foundation of laws for the nation of Israel. Lays it all out. That's what they go by now. That's the foundation of their laws. Now Jesus comes into the picture in the New Testament. And while Jesus is beginning his ministry, an expert in the law comes to him and says, Hey, Jesus, test him. What is the greatest commandment in the law? And we all, pretty much, most of us know, Jesus responds to them, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. And he said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus, what Jesus ends up doing is he condenses the Ten Commandments into really two even simpler rules all right, didn't, didn't do away with anything. He just condenses them down into two simple rules. Number one, love your God, love the Lord your God, and love others. Love God, love others. The first four commandments reflect the principle. So as we break them down, four and six, the first four commandments break, it, it basically reflect the principle of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The next six commandments reflect the principle of love your neighbor as yourself. People in this culture, for the most part, still will, will tolerate the last six commandments. But boy, they want to eliminate the first four commandments. Their sinful nature, we all have a sinful nature, but their sinful nature, not having Christ, they, they, they cannot... I even fathom the idea of submission to a God above and beyond everything else. And that's what it's saying. The first four lay the foundation for the next six. Can't have one without the other. They don't realize that. And so they, they don't mind, you know, putting up with some of the, the last six, but the idea of the first four, that God comes first above and beyond everything else. But the truth is, respect and submission to God is necessary for any foundation, for any code of law and any morality. I mean, I want you to just process through this through with me for a moment. Um, if there is no God, then what is the foundation for morality at all, the basis for morality? 
What defines, take God out of the equation, first four out of the equation, what defines right and wrong? What defines, what, what determines what's right and what's wrong? If you take God out of the equation, you're, you're basically, when you sit down and you argue, for example, with an atheist, you have to understand, they have to borrow from your worldview to even be in a conversation with you on the subject. I'll give an example. When, you, when anyone in the world uses the word right, when you say the word right, you're assuming wrong. If you say right, you assume wrong. If you say good, this is good, you're assuming evil. When you assume right, okay, right and wrong, you then have to assume a moral law that determines what's right and wrong. Moral law, right, wrong. If you assume a moral law, then you must assume a moral law giver who laid out the moral law that determines what's right and wrong. If you erase the moral law giver, then you erase the moral law and you erase the, the whole idea of something being right or wrong is just basically your opinion or perspective. It has no value whatsoever. It's just your feelings. It's your idea of what could be or might be. Without God, morality, right and wrong are just opinion. See, when laws are determined by those who are in power at the time, morality gets twisted all to pieces. It becomes, morality becomes inconsistent and hypocritical. Laws become inconsistent and hypocritical if you don't have the foundation of the first four commandments. For example, in our own country, man, you go try to touch some fish eggs in some areas, turtle eggs, or bird eggs. I remember when we were in Mexico a few years back, if you touched a turtle egg on the beach, you got life. It was like 30 years to life in prison, for even in being in the possession of a turtle egg. So in our country, you can't touch the bird egg, you can't touch the fish egg, you can't touch the, dirt, the turtle egg, but an unborn baby, okay, is totally defenseless. Why? Erase those first four, okay? My opinion, my feelings, my perspective. It becomes inconsistent, okay, and hypocritical to start. When my, truth is my, my, when my truth is my truth because I believe it, your truth is your truth because you believe it, when morality becomes a, a cultural contract between us, human suffering soon follows. Because all those things are based upon the times and who's in power and what this culture says or how they feel. Human suffering will soon follow. The first Four commandments are essential for the foundation of any morality, okay? Anything we determine to be right and wrong. You cannot live a moral life. You cannot live a righteous life without those first four commandments. They show us how to live out the greatest commandment of all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is the foundation on which we stand. Otherwise, you're standing on sand. It will shift, it will move, the wind will blow, it will, it will change. So as I was going through this, 
Let me give you an example that I thought was helpful as I was studying this. The Bible compares, compares our relationship with God with a loving marriage relationship, all right? Talking about how we love God, and it just kind of compares the two. So let's, let's look at how the first four commandments correspond with the way that we demonstrate love to our spouse in, re, in the real world, in real life. So I show love to my wife by, number one, talking commandments, one, two, three, four, number one, by being faithful to her, by being faithful, to be a faithful husband. I don't put any other women before her. I am faithful to my wife, like the first commandment. I don't let images of other women or any other material thing come between me and my relationship with my wife, like the second commandment. I don't talk to or talk about her in a disrespectful way. I don't communicate to you about her or talk to her in a disrespectful way, like the third commandment. Fourth, I regularly set aside time so that I can spend it with her. She is the priority. If I'm expressing my love for her, if I'm showing her my love, then I will set aside specific time where we will spend that time together like the fourth commandment. That's what it takes for a husband to show love to his wife, and that's what it takes for us to show love to God. I will do those four things. That's how you lay the foundation. You are not going to behave that way toward your spouse or to anyone else around. This is how we lay the foundation, and from that foundation, we express it in other areas. See, the teaching of Jesus never, con- ne- never, never condemns the Ten Commandments or, or, um, or contradicts the Ten Commandments. When Jesus was here, Jesus basically reinforced the Ten Commandments. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, this is what Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfilled the law by setting us free from condemnation that comes from being under the law. Now, I want you to stick with me. This is so cool. This is so important. This is so dynamic. This is so freeing. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. It's called the law of sin and death because ultimately the old law can only condemn you. The only human being who who was able to fulfill the law perfectly was Jesus Christ because he was fully God and fully man. Jesus walked the earth and fulfilled the Ten Commandments perfectly. In his thoughts, in his actions, responses, he fulfilled the whole law of God. You read Leviticus, you read through the Old Testament, you're like, good grief, how can you possibly even remember all these laws? And Jesus filled them, fulfilled them perfectly. I want you to think about this. Say you want to, um, say you this morning, you say, I, I, I'm tracking with you. Pastor Jeff, I'm tracking with you. So what I want to do is I want to have a relationship with this loving God, with God. I want to have a relationship with God the Father. 
and I want to spend eternity in the presence of a holy God. Like, like in, I just want to spend eternity with him. And so what, but, but here's the thing. I don't want to do it through Christ. I want to do it on my own. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I got this. I got this. I'm going to do it on my own. So let's, te- let's do a test this morning. All right, so you're saying, I'm going to, I want to spend, I want to have a a personal relationship with a holy and righteous God, and so I'm going to do this on my own. Let's just use the Ten Commandments, okay? Foundation, let's put first things first. Let's see how you do, all right? Number one, have you ever, have you ever put anyone or anything at any time from birth till now before God? Just think about it. You don't have to, you know. I, th- I think right out of the gate, it's like, eh, okay. But we'll keep going, all right? Because some, some people are like, well, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Anything or anyone above God. Have you, ever, have you ever put your own desires or your own ambitions or your own possessions above God at any time in any shape or in any form? Have you ever put your own desires, your own ambitions, your own possessions above God? Have you ever, in any way, shape, or form, in your mind or verbally, misused the name of God? For example, oh my God. Oh my God. Or you hit your, your, your thumb with a hammer. Jesus Christ. Or Jesus, man, why don't you, have you ever texted OMG? Ever in your life? OMG, did you see that play? Have you ever said at any any time, any form, I swear to God, I swear to God. Have you ever said the word God or used the name of the Lord in any way that, that was not in a reverent, um, righteous, holy, thoughtful, thankful manner. So that if you ever slipped, if you ever by accident, where you wanted to say, oh my gosh, and you said, oh my God, and you were, oh, have you ever slipped? <laughs> have you ever put your, have you ever put your sports, okay? Have you ever put sports or your career or your hobbies or anything, have you ever let that, that put those ahead of your time, spending time with God? Where you still spend time with God, but you spent way more time doing those things than you, uh, you spend with God. And you can, you can worship God by watching sports. You can worship God in your career. So you can say, yeah, I worship God, but have you ever not and put more time into those things than you put in with the Lord? Have you... <laughs> Have you always, always, at, in every thought and action, honored your mother and your father? For example, have you ever rolled your eyes at your parents? Have you ever, ever rolled, have you ever, your parents say something, have you ever walked away muttering something under your breath? I remember one time, when Kim was, uh, Kim was really little, and Deb said something to her, and Kimberly, blah, 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 and she walked away, and she got right up the stairs a little bit, and she said, stupid mom. <laughs> and 
And dad said, what did you say? She's like, ah, you know. But you could just hear her like, stupid mom, right? In my house, you could throw a brick through the window because I told you, stop, stop throwing those bricks around. You throw a brick through the window. But it wasn't too smart, but it was an accident. But the one thing you never did to me is roll your eyes, okay? So did you ever roll your eyes? And you say, well, I never rolled my eyes and I never said, stupid mom. But have you ever thought, stupid mom? <laughs> or thought, what an, oh, I can't, you are so whatever. I can't believe, have you ever even thought, even thought it? Have you ever valued uh, yourself over someone else? Have you, have you ever put yourself or, always, or have you always valued others over yourself? You always put the other person first. That's you. Boy, hey, I always put the other person first. Have you always in your whole life in thought and action been faithful to your spouse? No, okay, I'm not you. Well, I never, I've never done this. Have you in your thoughts and in your actions, have you always been faithful to your spouse? Have you ever stolen anything? They're not, uh, what's the pen? I, what's the difference? Right? How many pens are at work? I got, oh, so I took the pen. I need the pen. You know, I don't want to go to the store. Have you ever stolen anything in your entire life? I'm going to get you on this one. Have you always told the absolute truth in every situation? Now, I, had, I got a haircut a couple days ago. Do you, got, you like my haircut? Okay. Okay, maybe you do, all right? But has, when you have a close friend or someone, whatever, and they come to you and they say, hey, do you like my dress? You know what I mean? Or do you like my, do you like my haircut? And it looks like a poodle died on the person's head, okay? And have you said, oh, you look, do you just look, that fits you? You look, whatever, Okay. Have you ever, when they asked you right out and you thought to yourself, what did you do? Okay, back in the 80s, okay, that little that piece of hair hanging down. and so, I mean, you're saying, how, how do you like it? How do you like it? You're like, you look like a, no, but, but you said, ah, you know, yeah, man, that's a haircut. You know, that looks right, the, sticking up right here or whatever. And you thought to yourself, what? why is it purple? You know what I mean? Purple so, looks so good on you. Have you always told the absolute truth in every situation? Have you, have, you, have you always been content, always in every situation, through your thoughts and through your actions, been content with what you have? Or have you ever coveted something that your neighbor or your friend or your coworker has Okay, whether it's material or their success. Have you ever been jealous in your life of someone having something that you don't have? Now, before you get too depressed, okay, who failed that test? Raise your hand. Yeah, I didn't get for the first four words. We're like, oh, crud, man. <laughs> right? But before you, what'd you say? I got 100%. <laughs> 100%. Failure, but you, you didn't, you know why you got 100% on that one? Because what I'm about to say, hey, he, he, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Don't get depressed. Don't be depressed because Jesus Christ, okay, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you are in perfect standing with God because Jesus Christ walked this earth and amazingly enough, fulfilled 
every bit of every law, in every thought, in every action, in every motive, because he fulfilled that, we, we have, we have that. We are not going to have to answer. We are not, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I am not going to have to stand before God the Father and answer those ten questions and all the nuances that come with them. I don't have to do that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I am in perfect standing with God because He, He perfectly fulfilled the law. Because of what Jesus Christ did, I am no longer under law. Now, my goal is to fulfill the Ten Commandments in my life because it helps me conform to the image of Christ, but I no longer am under the law. I am under grace. I am under the blood of the one who fulfilled the, the law of God perfectly. That is so awesome. And because of what Jesus did, I can live out my salvation, okay? I can try to live out my salvation, I can, I can I'll go back real fast, okay? So you give your life to Christ, you are justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And so you are, in per, you are perfect and you're standing with God because Jesus surrounds you with his love and the Father sees Jesus, not you. Justification. Sanctification is an ongoing process where now we try to live it out, but we don't have to live it out feeling like, oh, I'm so condemned, I'm so condemned because I've fallen short in some area. Why? Because of one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. So I'm going to tell you, this is what it says, but I'll say it to you. I tell you, I read the Ten Commandments. I tell you these things so you will not sin. So I told you, right? You heard me. I tell you them so you will not sin. But... If anyone does sin, we have one who goes to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who's the atoning sacrifice not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world, right? You're gonna, we're going to fall short, but then wait, I've got another one. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, there is no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's called the gospel. That's called the good news. We are not under law, we are under grace if we have Jesus Christ in our lives. So I don't want to go any further in this series without making sure that we're all on the same page and we've all received the gift of Christ into our lives. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God had to do that because of what Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you in this room are confused by that passage now, go back to the, the test we just took with the Ten Commandments. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even if you pass the test, you were born into sin. You have a sinful nature. It's been passed down. The first Adam fell, passed it on. The second Adam came and covered us with his blood. Okay, so we are sinners. Nothing to be like, oh, I can't believe you're calling me that. You all raised your hand. You called yourself that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. What does that mean? Theologically, you can start putting these things together, right? 
The law that leads to sin and death. Why does it call it that? Because that's all it will lead to. You can't fulfill the law. It can't be done. A human being can't do it. The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. So then how do, you know, how do, I, how do I bring this about? Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is a gift that God has given us, not by works. Obviously, we know now when it, why it says in Ephesians, not by works, so that no one can boast. Because you can't, it won't happen. It is a gift of God. Now, I want you to bow your heads with me because I want all of us to start in the right place as we move into this series. I want to make sure that all of us, as we move forward, have a peace in our hearts knowing where we stand with God. This is going to be a great series as we walk through how to fulfill because it's not like we have to fulfill them because if we don't, boy, we're in big trouble. We're going to go to hell. That's not, not at all. What's going to be enjoyable about this series once we walk through the end here, what's going to be fun about this series is going through and learning what they actually mean. What does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? We're doing that so we can better deal with that area of our lives. We can reflect on it. We can overcome it. And we can be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, not because we will be condemned if we don't, but because our desire is to be holy as he is holy. So let's make sure that we're in a place of peace in our hearts as we stand before God. If it's your, if it's your desire this morning to live a life at peace with God, then I, what I want you to do is just pray this simple prayer with me. The, the words don't have the power it's your heart that has the power. It's in your heart what your desire to ask God, to ask Christ to come into your life. If that's your desire this morning, just pray the simple prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it to yourself. Father, I want to live a life that pleases you. But Father, I know I can't do that without your son Jesus Christ in my life. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I sin every day. I know I fall short. So I ask for your grace. I ask for your forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ. God, I want to be your child. I want to be adopted into your family this morning. I want this to be, this day, to be my spiritual birthday. So I can look back and remember, this is the day that I gave my life to you. So I ask that you would please come into my heart I ask that you would please show me my purpose. Fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit so that from this day forward, I can walk 
in a way that pleases you. God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that I could have a relationship with you, so that I could spend an eternity with you, so that I could live my life doing the best that I can to be like your son. And thank you that when I fall short, I now have one who speaks to you in my defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I pray all these things in his holy, blessed, awesome, perfect name. Before you lift your heads, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time in your life, would you just please, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, just please raise your hand very quickly and put it back down. Amen. God, Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord, for this time that we can spend together. Lord God, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to worship you and to be called your children. Thank you, Lord God, for for those who in their hearts have, have given their hearts and lives to you this morning. I pray, dear God, they remember this day for the rest of their lives, that this, would be, this is their spiritual birthday, and that from here going forward, they would know that you not only created them, but now you adopted them into your family. We love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we look forward to the, this series, Lord God, and all you're going to teach us and the way we're going to grow. In Jesus' precious and holy and awesome name, amen. Have a great, great week and love you guys.